0: You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, mystery creators? It is the Mystery Crate, the Levitard and Friends podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. And I'm not gonna go through all the list of things you could potentially get because I do it every time I do this. I feel like so you just know you could get whatever. But today, just we give
1: me a be- couple things. Like, what are a couple things people like could, could get?
0: You could get you could get Roy talking to his wife Aneed. Ooh. You could get me and Juju Gotti shooting the shit. You could get Mike interviewing some interesting people like you do get today. That's a little tease for later on in this episode. This episode of the Mystery Crate, you got us, the shipping container. We are going to do a Super Bowl preview with Uncle Dick, Dick's Rough Riders, PFPI's champion, and Greg Cody. That's just like a little side note. Like Dick Cody is the real get he's of the this mystery. Yeah, he's the He head. just happened
2: to show up, yeah.
0: Right. And after that, we have Mike Ryan, who's got a fun interview, with Jake Bredin, who hosts one of the most popular podcasts in in the world, An so interview. you got to check that out.
3: What's it called, Chris? Yeah, It yeah, is awesome. called
0: Disgrace Land. I know, Chris. I feel like Woody was just testing me there to see if I knew what it was called. No, I'm trying to and help. The, I'm it. trying to help the audience. So, you know, we we, right. we got to tease properly. What's coming up? Proper yeah. tease, a prease.
2: Be a
3: professional.
0: So you're gonna get a Super Bowl preview with Dick's Rough Riders. You're gonna get Mike talking to Jake Brennan. It's a fun episode. Let's get right into it. We don't have time for anything else. Let's get to Dick Cody, Uncle Dick, Dick's Rough Riders. I'm excited, Roy. How excited are you?
2: I mean, we have plenty of time for stuff. You're talking about we don't have time for anything. Right. It's actually a medium
3: without a time restriction. Yeah, this could be we eight
4: hours. hours time, we, yeah. we got time. yeah, We kind of.
2: yeah, got plenty of time.
4: We, we got, got
3: some
1: time.
2: Excitement.
1: Yeah. You're trying to get some urgency in there? Craig? Yeah, let's get to it. Should we get to it?
0: Nah. Sure. No? Okay, we'll get to it. Today, it is Super Bowl week, and you get a Super Bowl preview With Greg Cody and Uncle Dick, Dick's Rough Riders in the building. Hello, Uncle Dick. Yeah, baby. Go Rough Riders. We're joined by the whole crew here. Witty, Billy, Roy. Who's the most excited about this? Billy, you haven't stopped smiling. I'm the most
1: (laughs) excited. I can't believe we have on Uncle Dick today to talk about the Super Bowl, amongst other things.
3: The kind of unique insight you can only get here. Uncle yes. Dick's Rough Riders. Riders. I mean, it's the only Super Bowl prediction I care about. There's like all these animals that predict the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. like a dolphin and an octopus and all this stuff. I only care about Uncle Dick and his prediction.
0: And for the people out there that don't know, the PFPI is the Pro Football Predictions Incorporated. Of course, you know what that is. It's a football pool run by the Cody family. Greg Cody's the commissioner. And uh, Dick's Rough Riders is my dad's brother, my Uncle Dick. He's a dynasty. Dad. Set it up like how dominant has Uncle Dick been in recent years?
2: Yeah, Uncle Dick has won seven championships, which is second all time to Greg's Lobos nine. But significantly, Uncle Dick has won six championships in our 17 season modern era, which is the league leading total. So in, in modern history, Uncle Dick has. Has been numero uno,
0: and and is again this year. Now, Uncle Dick, <laughs> before we get into just what your overall strategy is for picking games, I kind of have a bone to pick with you because, look, you kind of just pick favorites. All right, there, I said it. Like you, yeah, okay. We're not and doing spreads
5: and Hold, hold on do- a
1: second. Wait a minute. He's the champion. Don't question him. He I knows know. what he's doing. Yeah, it's
0: true. And we're well, just I doing. Don't,
5: I don't just. I don't just pick favorites. I pick favorites and. Home,
0: home teams. teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> we're just doing winners. This is not against the spread. So he keeps yeah, it. Of course, simple. of course, you know,
5: this year home teams weren't a factor, but. Mm.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> Let's move to the Super Bowl now. We have Brady versus Mahomes. Uncle mm-hmm. Dick, also a guy that in a fantasy league will draft a quarterback, like two quarterbacks in the first five rounds. Um, That's he's right. Very, very <laughs> famous for doing that. Um, <laughs> So, break down this game for us, Uncle Dick. What are you seeing? Patrick Mahomes, old GOAT versus new GOAT. What do you see in this game?
5: You know, it's, what's the line on this thing? Three and a half points, so it could go either way. But I'm thinking, uh, you know, I've never been a big fan of uh, Kansas City's defense. You know, I think they give up points. And I think there could be uh, some room there for Tom Brady. And so, I, I always uh, root for the underdog. I'd like to see Tampa Bay win.
2: Oh, and that, is, that is
5: my official prediction. Wow!
2: Right wow. to it. No just get... The home uh, team.
5: I'm going with the home team,
0: team. against uh, the favorites with the home team. And I hear a blinker again, Dad. Do you realize we're recording a podcast right now? Hey, do, do you realize I'm, I'm in a car? Uh blinkers are <laughs> overrated. Unless you're in like a spot where you like someone's coming flying at you, like, what, do you really need a blinker? Oh my
2: god! All right, god. I just I just turned off the blinker just for you.
0: Oh, I am taking a legal U-turn here, so i to think. All right. <laughs> All good in the hood, Dad. How does it how does it feel to be the commissioner of PFPI, a man that has worked in the sports world for decades, and yet your brother is much better at predicting football than you are? <laughs>
2: um. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say much better. I think it's it's arguable who's uh had the 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 greater PFPI career. I think Dick and I are clearly are one and two or two and one. Mm-hmm, uh, I, agree. I, I I I would remind you that prior to Dick winning this season, I had won two seasons in a row, 2018 and 19. So I give no ground in the conversation about uh, who's better. I think the two old bros definitely have an argument for uh, the overall PFTI King. There you go. Old bro versus young bro. No contract. That's right. Michael hasn't <laughs> won since like 2005 and Christopher last won in 2014. Not that I keep track.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. What's the overall championship total, Greg? Ooh.
2: Um, Greg Lobos have nine. Dick's Rough Riders, seven. Chris's Critters, five. And nobody else has more than uh, one. I Ask think um, I think Mom's Maniacs and Mike's Chickens have both won once.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ask him what the o- overall wins are. What's the overall wins, Greg?
2: Uh, Dick's Rough Riders is the overall leader in <laughs> career wins. Here we um, go. So, uh but you know the big number obviously is overall championships, and it's uh, Lobo, Lobo's nine, Rough Riders seven. But there's uh,
0: also there's also a lot of talk of that because you know my dad references the 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 era from when they were kids. My dad was yeah, keeping all these stats when he was like an eleven year old. So there's a little. Uh, there's debate that's, on how uh, accurate the early uh, arrow no, was. Yeah,
5: that's like ancient history, you know? It's like the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl. Ancient history. <laughs>
0: well, it, you're right.
2: It is pretty ancient, considering we started the league in 1969. There
5: you go. Nice. Yeah, I enjoy PFPI. I still do. Look forward to it. Uncle Dick, uh, we, we, we hear so
3: much about the PFPI gala. Can you uh, describe what a gala is like from your perspective? <laughs>
5: I hate the speeches. I gotta tell you,
2: uh,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you hate the speeches.
0: You hate the speeches. Yet you prepare a speech. You're the only one of us who literally writes something down. Well, that's, well, part that's the of first it.
5: year. That's the first year I've actually written anything down, too. <laughs> I usually just wing it, but you know, I just and hate then the you couldn't speeches. read your
2: own writing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's bad lighting in
5: the uh, PFP <laughs> Gay Law Central. Has very bad lighting.
1: Uncle Dick, as an outside observer, uh, I'm sure you've seen it much like many of us have, but you obviously have been witnessing this for a longer time. When did Chris become so disrespectful to his father, Greg? (laughs) Good question,
5: Billy. (laughs) I think they've always had a good relationship, really, but uh, maybe the PFBI seems to bring out the worst. I don't know. know. Seems to.
0: I think we should get these guys. Uh, the, the most competitive, my dad and Uncle Dick are, are on the golf course now. That, Uncle Dick, my, my dad is the one who's always competitive, though. You're the one whistling along while my dad is like angrily <laughs> counting your strokes.
5: So, so what is your
0: <laughs> perception of how uh, unnecessarily my competitive my dad is on the golf course?
5: Well, he's competitive. You know, he, he hates hates not to get the gimme. That's why I always don't uh, want to play. You know, no gimmes because uh, you know there uh, there are problems. But, yeah, he's he's competitive, just like I am. of course, you know, I realize that I'm never going to beat you, Chris. And I'm going to beat your dad, you know, once every uh, dozen times we play. So, you know, I'm not really competitive. I kind of expect what's going to happen.
2: You got to finish the hole, Greg. (laughs) Well, look, that, that is the only time that I get in a real foul mood on the golf course is if I have like a foot and a half putt. And I think it should be a gimme. And it isn't, so I'm in a bad mood as I'm standing over the pot, and then I lift the cup, and steam is coming out of my ears. And for like the next two holes,
5: oh, i seething yeah. in silence. Well, the next six holes, yeah, nothing, very little is said.
3: <laughs> but Greg, isn't the most satisfying part of playing golf the ball rattling around the hole? Why wouldn't you want to finish out?
2: Well, normally, when somebody gives me a gimme, I putt it anyway, just to get the satisfaction of that magical sound. Yeah. Uh knowing that knowing that if I miss it, I still made it. You know what I mean. So then, why so then why do you get mad if Uncle Dick makes you do it? Well, because my attitude is we either should be fair about gimmies or we should have no gimmies. If you left it up to me, I would play it like the PGA Tour, where if you're on the lip <laughs> of the cup, you literally putt out that one inch putt. Yeah. Uh, sure. But if we are gonna, but if we are gonna play gimmies, let's be consistent about it, and let's not give somebody <laughs> a two foot gimme because they're behind by. See, Christopher tends to give Uncle Dick, um, <laughs> you know, generous gimmies. quite frankly. And, uh, you know, I don't always gimmies, get that
5: yeah. <laughs> Love the four-foot gimme. <laughs> yeah.
2: Gimmies. So,
5: yeah. Uh, well, I remember one time it used to be always uh, club length. And uh, I remember distinctly remember one time it was a club length and Greg was about three inches short. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah see, and I got real, you are not going to give me that. Uh, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm competitive in PFPI and in golf, and that's about it, really.
3: Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned that the origins were in 1969. Uh, was it just you and your Uncle Dick back then? Like, what, what were the origins of PFPI?
2: Yeah, it was my dad as well. Um, and when he passed away, we named the trophy the Dad's Dynamics Cup in his honor. So originally, it was just a little three-team league. Um, mm-hmm. we've, been a, we've been a six-team league for a while. But, uh, wow, expansion. Yeah, we started off as just a, a three-team. That's right. We've had two expansions. One with the Ruth's raccoons and the other with Christie's Ferraris.
5: Yeah, 69 I, 69, I just got out of the Army. So I guess that's when that started, you know. Nice.
2: Right, exactly. And, and by the way, uh, we do the makes... whole history of PFPI uh, in the latest Greg Cody Show podcast out now wherever you do your potting. So okay. anyone who wants to hear even more about the PFPI gala, including the speeches live that night, are welcome to check out the podcast.
1: Now I'm kind of curious, though, Greg, uh, going back to 1969 and the original three, I'm wondering if there was some compiling going on there where you were racking up some of your, <laughs> amassing some of your championships when you are only competing against two other teams, and now you're holding up, hey, I have the most championships ever. But a lot of them are from it's, 40 years ago, 50 years It ago. is.
2: Hmm.
1: It is fair,
2: Billy. It is fair to say that... Um, that five of my nine championships came in the what? early three-team league. Um, wow. But four of my championships have come in the modern era, including two of the last three. It feels like uh, you and Dick are like the Bears and the Packers and everybody else are like the Jaguars. Yeah, and the that's true. Oh, exactly.
5: <laughs> well, I wouldn't say the Bears. <laughs> it's like the Boston
3: Celtics who claimed 16 championships when like 10 of them were won against nothing but white guys. Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, that's, There you go. Yeah, a lot that's of integration. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> well B- bill russell did have to go up against Wilts, so let's uh let's not forget that yeah yeah
0: that's a couple of boston guys you're talking to here don't forget that uncle dick what time did you go to bed last night last night
5: uh usually around dark what time does it get dark Six thirty, seven o'clock
0: what time are you up
5: when it
1: gets light hey,
5: hey, hey. i'm up at uh unfortunately i'm up at like four fifteen.
1: Mm, military mentality
5: mm. yeah so by the time uh, your brother straggles out of bed, I'm been up five hours. You know, that kind of thing.
2: <laughs> right. That kind half, of the, half, of the, half of the emails I get from Uncle Dick are like, you know, 3.45 a.m. and stuff like that. Same <laughs> as Dan.
5: Yes, yeah, when you go to bed early, you get up early, you know. What is there to do at four it's in the like, morning? I'm on my computer on Facebook, you know. Ooh.
1: You know
5: this and that. How can the, you know, how can the listeners follow
1: the listen? Doing dishes,
5: cleaning the kitchen, you know, all that kind of doing laundry. Mm. It all gets done before seven a.m. So
0: then, what do you do for the rest of the day?
5: I oh, just hang around and watch TV. Watch a lot of TV, believe me.
0: Mm. TV. What's the, the go-to? TV what's like? What's a, what's a show you don't miss any day? Like, what's a Challenge. show you watch five days a week? American Pickers, one of my favorite. shows. Oh, I
1: love American Pickers, Uncle Dick. Me and you, we're talking the same <laughs> language now, huh? Yeah. Feel, Danielle, I've, baby Danielle. <laughs> Danielle, I you know I kind of feel bad sometimes about some of the houses where they go to pick because I feel like oh, yeah. Frank is there and he's just trying to rip some people off because they don't really know what they have and he's taking advantage in, of them.
5: I worked in one of those houses, not far from where Greg lives. Well, you you had to walk down the hallway sideways because there was so much shit, uh, so much crap stored in the uh, you know in the house. Literally, you could barely move around the kitchen. Any treasures? No, it was all junk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that Florida is not a great place for them to go picking because of the uh, the salt in the air.
5: Yeah, just the, the age. Well, just the age. Of, you know, Florida is a fairly new state, too. Mm, they to say the yeah. best place to pick is in uh, New England, where everything is ancient. You know, New England's been around for 400 years. That's a great show. I love And I like city. the cooking channels, all the cooking
0: channels. Mm-hmm. Are you a cook? Eh, not really. <laughs> oh. I cook for myself, and that's it. Oh, well, this was a delight. Do you guys have anything else for Uncle Dick or my dad before we get him out of here? This was – I feel like we we, kind of got to our Super Bowl prediction a little early. I thought we were going to build up to that, but I feel like we got some good stuff after.
5: Well, like I say, i like to see uh, Tampa
0: Bay win, but I'm not holding my breath, you know. Mm. (laughs) Good to know you're not – Uncle Dick not holding his breath on the matchup. You you need the oxygen. (laughs) Do we want Greg's Lobo's prediction, or do we not care about that? (laughs) Um, Well, I would would like to volunteer –
2: I'm, I'm not making a prediction as Greg's Lobos, but as Greg Cody in the Miami Herald, uh. my official Super Bowl prediction will be online oh, cool, later man. this oh. afternoon. Oh,
1: oh wow. wow. Self-promoting. Just well, self-promoting. it'll be out already when this comes <sighs> out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You've got to wait for it. It's a tease. Mm. <laughs> That's right. See? I lead the league in self-promotion.
1: Dick Knoll. and Clicks. Yes, <laughs> Dick, what do you like about American Pickers? Is it the history of it, or are you just kind of like seeing the stuff? I have well, some- a
5: lot of the stuff they pick, you know, is stuff like, you no, know, particularly uh, Frank is into the toys. Yeah. And a lot of the toys, he's picking toys. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, and stuff like that. So it's the nostalgia. Their- remember, you know, back in the day, they used to, when you went to Tom McCandless, you used to x ray your feet yeah, to right. see if the shoes fit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was a big X-ray machine. You put your feet in it, and they'd X-ray. And, oh yeah, they uh, fit perfectly. And, and uh, they had one of those on the show. Just stuff like that. Very interesting, I find. Tom McCanns. <laughs>
2: That's hilarious. Uh, your feet have a lovely skeleton. No idea you guys talk about.
1: That's a very well, old, a old of, shoe <laughs> story. Yeah, if
5: you bought a lot of shoes when you were a kid, you probably get cancer today, you
0: know? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All, All right. right. Well, Uncle Dick, thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. And Dad, see you later. Where, <laughs> where <am> I, <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't get a thank you. Uh, what, uh, I made the extra effort here. Dad, you my got car. you, Greg.
1: Dad, thank Greg. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. Greg. You got thank, your se- thanks, Greg.
0: You got your second <laughs> dose of the vaccine, Dad. How are you feeling? Oh wow! I'm I did. Um, oh, well, you've had your second. Yeah, dose. I um,
5: assumed I,
2: I was. I there. waited. Uh, waited in line a little over an hour, which isn't too bad. Yeah, I'm
5: going for my first dose uh, today in about half wow. hour. So look at these guys. Oh, wow. good for you. Yep. It's not that's too. Perfect.
2: It's not too bad because the needle is actually in and out of your arm in like one or two seconds.
5: Oh, that's uh, what I figured. Yeah. I
2: yeah. I mean, like, no when, big deal. When <laughs> you give, <laughs> When you give blood, the needle's in your arm a lot longer. So how was your
5: second dose? Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think. The first dose hit me a little bit. I was a little bit tired, but uh, right now I'm good. You know, i okay. got to go home and work. So,
5: yeah, I've heard people uh, have more reaction to the second dose than the first. But, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see. See what that happens. I ain't worried about it. Yes, yeah, so far so good.
0: Thank you both. See you guys later. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye.
4: Thank you to the guys for that Super Bowl preview with Uncle Dick Cody. This week's episode is what I always wanted Mystery Crate to be, an absolute random grab bag. So we handled the Super Bowl. The big game was talked about with Greg Cody's older brother and the shipping container before. And now I will be very self-indulgent and geek out over having the opportunity to interview jake brennan the host of disgraceland it's now going to be available on amazon music disgraceland is an amazing podcast for music fans you really get in depth and explore some of the darkness that's around it many of the most famous musicians in the world. Jake works really hard on this podcast. It is a terrific listen. It's not necessarily a light listen. It gets kind of heavy and dark sometimes, but that's kind of what I like about it. So I was really amped to have Jake Brennan on this week's episode of Mystery Crate. Here it is joined now by the host of Disgraceland, one of my favorite podcasts out there. It's actually going to be an Amazon Music exclusive beginning this week. And Jake, I'm such a fan of your work, and this is probably a nerdy question about your workflow and exactly how much time and effort gets put into each episode, because you explore the dark, the sad, the dreary, um, sometimes the evil. And uh, well, number one, that can't be fun. And number two, it has to be a lot of work. You're go you're pouring over books, other podcasts, articles. So, exactly how much work, Jake, goes into just a single episode?
6: Well, it is about a week of research. And first of all, actually, let me back up. Thanks for having me on the show, Mike. I totally appreciate this. Um, Want to answer your question directly, though. It's about a week of research, and it's uh, about a week of writing, and then probably another week of audio production and you know this thing started as a kind of just you know labor of love side hustle type of thing and you know thank god it turned into a job because if it hadn't i wouldn't just have to think that i wouldn't have the time to actually do because it is it is all consuming but doesn't feel like work it's that thing man it's like if you you know if you love what you're doing it's not gonna feel like work so i feel i feel real lucky in that regard
4: so what drove you to a podcast that explores the darker side of music
6: uh one part necessity one part interest i mean i I grew up in the music industry i've been a musician my whole life my my dad's a musician, my wife's dad's a musician. So I've kind of been surrounded by it and, you know, I've always loved true crime as well. I mean, I read Helter Skelter when I was fifteen years old and then I read In Cold Blood by Truman Capote and you know, when the explosion of true crime and podcasts happened, you know, I, I was just fortunate that it was around the same time that I started thinking about a career change and instead of, you know, making music going on stage, you know, maybe I would Tell some of these stories that I've been, you know, boring my friends with backstage at shows for the last like <laughs> ten, twenty years, and uh, you know, I turned it into a podcast. But I knew I just didn't want to do a music podcast. Um, I wanted to have a my own hook, and that's where the idea to melt true crime came. So every, you know, we'll tell the story of a musician, oftentimes, you know, from the cradle to the grave, or sometimes it's just like one aspect of their career. But no matter what we're telling, the story always hinges on a crime that the musician committed or had committed to them. So, you know, everything from, you know, Jay-Z and the stabbing that happened in the nightclub to Frank Sinatra and his association with the mafia and the Kennedy assassination to the most recent two episodes on Tupac Shakur to... Um, Madonna and the alleged rape that happened, not alleged, the actual rape that she alleged, but was never prosecuted. Um, So we just kind of look at all of the crimes that happened with these musicians and it gives us our unique sort of view into them.
4: So you've always been really good at music trivia, I imagine, because you just alluded to the fact that you were telling these stories backstage, and I guess you always impress people with knowing these sort of B-sides, to use a music term, of these popular musicians, but things that maybe not a lot of people know. And what you just referenced about uh, the crimes being committed or the crimes that they're suffering from, two of my favorite all-time episodes, the Jerry Lee Lewis and Marvin Gaye. I think those two episodes really explain the dichotomy of Disgraceland, that you just handle that balance so well.
6: Yeah, I mean those two crimes, let's look at those, right? So Jerry Lee Lewis, most people don't know this, but you know, it's very likely that he got away with murdering his fifth wife and quite possibly even his fourth wife. And that that story's been out there for years and you talk to people who know Jerry Lee and they're not surprised by it. You know, no one in the music industry is surprised by that. So my idea was, okay, I'm just gonna tell a story in podcast one. and that's what I did and I took, you know, various stories that are out there, I kind of melded it into my own narrative, told the story I wanted to tell. Um, And that's something, that's a crime, an alleged crime that Jerry Lewis um, is thought to have committed. The other example, Marvin Gaye, perhaps a more popular one. People know Marvin Gaye, massive star in the 60s and 70s and was gunned down in the early 80s by his father. Um, And of course, that's that's a crime that happened to the musician. But, you know, the other side of that, too, is with Marvin Gaye, you get this tremendous amount of drug use uh, that's going on throughout his career that's fueling him, causing a lot of paranoia, contributing to the rift between him and his father that ultimately led to the shooting death
4: yeah and uh, there's aspects of public outing and, and gay shaming there has have any of these episodes stayed with you because as a listener of Disgraceland, land a few of them i haven't been able to shake and it's really helped form my opinions about certain people and now i'm just not in the mood to ever listen to jerry lee lewis like ever so how many of these do you take home with you
6: all of them in some way or another um you know and sometimes you know it's we're talking about things that happen to the artists or oftentimes you're looking at how the artists got to the point where they committed the crime they committed and you're looking at, you know, the, what went into their sort of makeup that drove them to that point. And it's horrific all around. Um, but in most cases, it led to some of the greatest music ever made, quite literally. And it's hard to separate the artist from the art. And some of these super horrific events. I mean, you know, I've done episodes on artists who have literally cannibalized people. <laughs> it's like the worst possible thing you can imagine. And that stuff, it does tend to stay with you, you know, but um, I've, I've kind of managed to grow some thick skin and, you know, as they say in the life of the mafia this is the life we've chosen so I'm not
4: complaining (laughs) have you ever found yourself at the center of people becoming more aware about a story just because you did an episode on it like um, the Hannibal Burris situation that he found himself in where he was just pointing to something that had been whispered about Bill Cosby all along but then all of a sudden he gets held up as a face of a cause has any episode that you've done created a situation for one of the topics that you're uh, focusing an episode on and all of a sudden you're doing me and you're you're out there sort of bewildered because you thought maybe people knew about this.
6: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, just the the, the very first episode on Jerry Lee Lewis was like that, and I was sitting there going, like, God, this isn't news. Rolling Stone published this in 1985 or whatever. You know, like this has been out there." And you know, it's you know, nothing's happened to me in a level that has happened with Hannibal and, and Bill Cosby, um, and. You know, I mean, I, you know, that's okay, I'm not, I'm not looking to do that. That's not why I, I make the show. I make the show because I'm trying to find a way to create entertaining content that has its own niche. Um, but, I you know, to answer your question, something stranger that's happened is, you know, I, I did an episode on Michael Alec, who was this club promoter um, who, you know, he chopped up his friend and, you know, put him in a box and killed him and then, like, kept the box in his living room and lived amongst it with his friends and partied around it for about two weeks before he was ultimately arrested and sent to jail. He contacted me when he, when he was out of jail. Um, wanted to come on the show and talk, so we did that. I mean, that was that was strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something I didn't expect myself to be doing. Um, but, you know, it happened because of the show and because of the wide audience that the show has, has garnered.
4: And you probably tap into some of the worst parts of fandom because a lot of these <laughs> fan bases are kind of like cultish, so at times it must not be fun being jake brennan um at can you confirm that have you ever needed to get security
6: um no thankfully i haven't needed security i've pissed off my fair share of fans though i mean people don't want to hear oftentimes bad things about artists that they love and it's um you know they don't want to look at things in a nuanced way and i think you know that's where we're at as a society we have so much information in our hands you know we'd be foolish to not look at things in a nuanced way so i think it's you know it's it's unrealistic to just go well i love this music's art this musician's artist and uh, i love this musician's music and so you know i love him as a person if you say anything bad about him well you know you're you're an idiot that's just not realistic but I will say the people I pissed off most are the the people the LSD users out there in the audience who write to me constantly and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about in my depiction of LSD in the Grateful Dead episode, um, as if you know I've never done LSD. Which is not something I'm not something I'm proud about, but I'm just explaining you know what my experience was. Um, they're very touchy, they're very prickly, they're very offended. Um, yeah, which probably says more about them than it does about my description of of the drug.
4: As fans of music, it's all happened to us. Post Me Too, there's certainly dozens of more examples where people are forced to make a decision on an artist they once loved, but now have new information, and it maybe changes the way that they enjoy that artist. Where do you stand when it comes to the age-old discussion of separating the art from the artist?
6: I don't have any hard and fast rules. And and I do you know, I do tend to inject my opinion in, into it when I when I think it's necessary and that's just sort of arbitrary. You know? <laughs> like
4: with the M and M episode.
6: I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean what that's about music, I usually always have a point of view on the on the artist's music, no matter what. And I'm not I'm not afraid to say That, you know, I I think what this artist had done was great or was crap, you know, it's, it's, that's, it's my own point of view and I'm entitled to that and people can take it or leave it. Uh, I'm not telling them what to think, but on the, on the art versus artist thing, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. I, you know, I don't have a, a thing where I just can separate it, you know, like, or can't separate it. It depends on the artist is my point. And, you know, for, you know, like, I could, pull thriller out of my record collection right now put that on and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna love it like i love that album i love off the wall like i love michael jackson nothing's gonna change that but you know then again i do have a hard time for whatever reason listening to Ryan Adams and have had for the last year and a half. And I, I
4: don't know what the difference is. Dude, I'm, I'm right there with you. I actually saw an article about this. Uh, I wish I can credit the writer, but I have all his albums on, on vinyl. I've gone to several concerts and just over the last two years, I haven't been in the mood to listen to Ryan Adams just like I haven't been ever in the mood to listen to Jerry Lee Lewis because I, I knew all the horrible things about him so it was just never the appeal and I listened to that episode and those feelings are fortified but then with Michael Jackson it's weird it's a case by case basis with me
6: right right it really is it's it's um
4: I, I can't put my
6: finger on it I, I think those who can I think people who can just say like well, well I'm never gonna listen to this artist again you know like like, I'm never going to watch a Woody Allen movie again. Like, I, I get it. I totally get it. But I also think, like, we have to, as humans, be able to take our emotion out of things and objectify things. Um, it's art, man. It's not like it's public policy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like like Woody Allen's Manhattan or Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire are not dictating how we live our lives. They're Object, they're, they're objects, you know what I mean? And we should be able to detach our emotion from it and, you know, and look at those pieces of work for what they are separate and apart from the people who created them. And if we can't do that, we are going to miss out culturally on so much amazing art for future generations. But I'm not worried about that because I think People are too smart, and I think people can objectify it. And I think a lot of what we hear is just kind of noise, and it's just an emotional reaction. And those emotional reactions, over time, end up fading. So.
4: Well said. What can the audience expect from you now that you're an Amazon Music exclusive? Now that you got that Bezos money pumping into the project, I imagine you have some pretty ambitious <laughs> episodes.
6: Yeah, we've got uh, we've got more episodes. Really, is what we're doing. I've been able to hire a, a bigger team and just create more content and, and keep upping the quality as well as the quantity. So Disgracement used to publish um, every other week and for, you know, a couple months a year. At this point, we're, we're releasing a full episode, be it a full scripted episode or a full uh, chat-based episode every week um, around the clock. And we're going to continue to do that until they tell us to stop, which they're not going to do. So basically... <laughs> You know, there's a little bit of pain. I get it. you got to give up your podcast, your favorite podcast app to be able to listen to Disgrace on Amazon Music. But, you know, man, when I was a kid and I wanted a record, um, I didn't have this thing called the Internet. Not that I'm that old, but I remember, like, <laughs> I would uh take a bus into the city and go to numerous record stores to find my record that I wanted. <laughs> I had to put in some work. So I think, you know, um, hopefully the pain of downloading Uh, A new app and going and clicking follow uh, isn't insurmountable for most people. And they can go ahead and do that to listen to the show.
4: And the upcoming episodes that you got on this season, uh, your first season as an Amazon Music exclusive, you have Oasis, and that was so rich you had to break it up in two parts. I I imagine that's great. And David Bowie, I'm sure there's so much meat on the David Bowie bone. Uh, Do you make sure to not pigeonhole yourself when you're doing a, a specific episode because you may want to circle back to that artist down the line?
6: Yeah, I try to find a a hook into the artist for a particular story that I want to tell. And you know, for instance, you know, with artists like The Rolling Stones, I revisited them six times. And the same with The Beatles, we're releasing two two episodes on the Beatles um this this season and yeah, you know, then we're releasing two more later in the year. I've already already released two on John Lennon. So there's just some artists have so many stories in there that they lend themselves to uh, multiple visits to disgrace Land.
4: When you're trying to impress people backstage, the, the top three little-known music stories that'll just blow people's minds every time you tell them. I
6: think the, the the most insane story is the story of the hip-hop artist Big Lurch who literally cannibalized his roommate. Um, and he, that, that, you know, obviously he was arrested and sent to jail. Uh, that would be number one. Number two would be an artist who's big and pioneering as Jerry Lewis, getting away with the legendary ganglion of and his wife. Um, and number three, God, I mean, take Number three, I mean, you can go anywhere from The Grateful Dead, their connection to um, Augustus, Aubrey, Stanley, and the uh, invention of LRD and the CIA's involvement with, you know, Potentially having the Grateful Dead turn the world onto LSD, that's a big one that doesn't get a lot of traction. But there's just tons. I mean, from Jay-Z to Cardi B to A$AP Rocky to the Rolling Stones, like I mentioned, to G.G. Allen, the Norwegian Black Metal. There's so many stories here. And um, thank God they, they keep me interested.
4: It's such an ambitious project, Disgraceland is, and the host, Jake Brennan, Um, is now signing up with Jeff Bezos and has great production resources. So I imagine this podcast is going to go straight to the moon now. I'm such a fan of your work uh, and the ambitious nature of it. Uh, Jake, real thrill for me to have you on here this episode of Mystery Crate.
6: Stoked to be on, man. Thanks so much. Look forward to talking to you again in the future.
4: Thank you for listening to this really random episode of Mystery Crate. Show really lived up to its name this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review, not only to this individual feed, but also the Levitard and Friends network feed. That's how I game the system and get double the subscriptions for one property. It's my currency right now as a free agent. So please do that and get all the content that we make directly to your phone. Even if you don't listen to all of it. Look, that's an absurd expectation. We put out so, so much, but we'll aim to put really detailed descriptions in the episodes and hope you can treat it like a buffet and pick what you like most. And if you're a fan of The Levitard Show with Sue God as I imagine you must be. If not, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast? Really great new merch available at levitardaf.shop. I mentioned before that downloads were my currency. I'd like currency to be my currency, And if you were a fan of the Market Mike character that loved his stunks, please visit lebatardaf.shop. Angel Resto put up some amazing new t shirts from Pirate Amin to Nunya Business. That's right, Roy has a shirt, Nunya GD Business. All that will be available up on the website. That'll do it for us this week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back next week.